0: Hi everyone, I'm Jonathan Murley and I'm the Global Missions Pastor here at Jubilee Fellowship Church. I'm really excited to introduce our guest speaker, Dan Bauman, this weekend. Before I do that, I wanted to tell you a few things about what's been happening in the area of Global Missions. We just had our annual business meeting and in 2018, we invested, you gave, almost a million dollars, $950,000 in the area of missions. So thank you for that. We have Uh, 14 long-term missionaries and this year we're going to send out teams to South Asia, to Europe, to South America, to Mexico, and right here in the United States. But We have 14 long-term missionaries that we support every single month and Dan Bauman is one of those missionaries. Dan is a missionary with Youth with a Mission and he's based in Kona, Hawaii, but he spends half of his time traveling around the world teaching others to simply walk with Jesus. He's traveled to more than a hundred countries, and he's got some amazing stories, including when he was imprisoned in Iran and his recovery from a traumatic brain injury. At both Parker and Lone Tree, would you give a warm welcome to Dan Bauman.
1: Amen, thank you. It is so good to be in Jubilee. And uh, yeah, this is very much my home church in many ways. It's been about 15 years where I've very much considered this home and so many times been able to come through and share my heart and just have so much fellowship with so many ones here. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do, not only just for me as a missionary, but all the other missionaries. And it's so good to be with you guys again today especially two and a half years ago, being the last two years ago when I was here last, sharing about my accident, and now being able to share new things that God's doing in, in my life. I did bring my books. Many of you might already have them. So I'll just mention them. Um, I have uh, Cell 58. That's when I was in prison in Iran. And I don't want to ruin the ending, but I heard he gets out. <laughs> Hopefully you'll still like it. And... Uh, then I got a second book. It's called *The Beautiful Way*, and that's just about inviting people to a simple life of walking with Jesus. And then my third book, which came out a few years ago, *A Fresh Look at Fear*. And many times in my life, I've struggled with fear, and so I decided to write a few thoughts about it. It's great to you, with you, to be with you back, to be here back with you. <laughs> and. Uh, Yeah, I just want to give you an update on my life. I am at about 97% better from my accident. And so basically what that means, in the last year and a half, I've had no meds. In the last year and a half, I have traveled the world. I've been actually around the world four times. (laughs) And I'm speaking, and I'm laughing, and I'm jumping, and I'm crying, and I'm getting mad, and doing what we do in life. And from having a, brain, a, a you know, traumatic brain injury and to be where I am today, ah, I'm just so grateful. So, so grateful. And I know during those times of being at Craig, when I was in the area, many of you came to see me and many of you were praying. So thank you so, so much for that time because, yeah, there is hope. There is hope in God and he has restored me. When I got to Craig, they told me I would be there a minimum of nine months After six weeks, the senior doctor said, you're the fastest healing patient I've ever seen. We're sending you home after two and a half months. (laughs) Yeah, so all glory to God. One of the richest things that's going on in my life from the accident is I don't have more than five minutes that go by on any given day when I'm not overwhelmed by thankfulness. Just overwhelmed by thankfulness. Gratefulness for life. Gratefulness for the chance to breathe, for the chance to talk and walk and do what we do. And yeah, that's just very much where I'm at. And then with that has come a word that our founder of Youth With The Mission gave me, When it all started, he said, Dan, Satan is trying to kill you, but when this is done, not only is God going to heal you, but you're going to go to more countries than you ever have, tell more people about Jesus than you ever have, and that's where this is headed. (laughs) And praise God, it's happening. Yeah, I've been to about 20 to 30 nations since that time, and God has just opened up all these wonderful doors where I'm able to just share about the love of Jesus yeah, it's all connected to my family. I've been able to share a little bit over the years about my family. Um, we're all involved in Youth with the Mission. My older sister been involved for over 40 years, starting our YWAM training centers in India and Nepal. God is doing so much good things over there. We have 120 bases wow. with over 3,000 full-time staff, and we've started over 3,000 churches in that part of the world just booming, blossoming what's going on. One of the exciting things that my older sister's involved with now is helping introduce YWAM to business as mission. And so much of the body of Christ is saying, wait a minute, are they supposed to be separate, or is there ways in many situations around the world that these things are supposed to be connected? And that's very much what my older sister is helping us kind of navigate. She has so many wonderful stories. One of them comes out of... Singapore, where a man who was in one of our training schools in Youth with a Mission felt God say, go start a hotel in Shangri-La, which is in central China near the Tibetan border. So he did. God said to him, I want all your workers to be Tibetans. And so he had 150 Tibetan workers. The government would only give him 15 minutes a day where he could have time with all his workers. So he decided to use that as a discipleship moment. (laughs) And in the next two years with those 150 workers, they all believed in Jesus. (laughs) And not only did they believe in Jesus, but the hotel got so well well run that the government took wind of it. Hilton had sent representatives over there, and they said it was the best hotel in the city. So the government took more notice and gave them an hour a day with all the workers. (laughs) And so it became a real discipleship moment where this last year, about 30 of the Tibetan Christian now workers have got a word of the Lord or a vision to go start another hotel in Cairo so that Muslims can get to know this Jesus. (laughs) So that's just one of the many stories going on around the world in that area. My younger sister has also been in YWAM for 30, 40 years, mostly working in northern India, raising a family of four. And then I've been in over 30 years, so that's the three kids in the family. My mom and dad are like, man, if we ever want to see our kids, we got to join YWAM. (laughs) When they saw us running around the world, and so they did. (laughs) And my dad passed away a few years ago, but my mom's just so excited for these days for her. When she found out I was in prison in Iran, in the first public prayer meeting, this is what she prayed. God, I pray that Dan does not get out of prison till all your purposes are fulfilled. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> I'm glad other people were praying. <laughs> I might still be there. <laughs> but my mom has always pushed us kids to God and been excited as God has led us all over the world. And she's actually written a book about it Releasing Your Children to the Lord. And she looks at it as only a privilege and an honor that her kids would serve the Lord around the world. And this next month, my mom is going on her first speaking trip. (laughs) She's going to Shanghai, China, and is going to connect with so many of both the local churches and foreign churches there in the city, and just to share her heart and what God's done in her life. So that's just a bit of an overview of my family. Life is so good. Jesus is so good. I'm just so grateful for all he's doing. As I've been traveling a lot, I've been reconnecting with Afghanistan, where I lived for 10 years working in a hospital there, also in my time in Iran. But God's throughout my life just given me such a heart of joy and expectancy in the Muslim world. And God is working in the Muslim world. The stories, I know we don't hear it all on the media, but God is doing so many good things. There are more Muslims getting saved today than ever in history. All over the world, my friend, who's very much involved in the academic world on the East Coast, he went in November to a gathering of over uh, two or 300 Islamic scholars from around around the earth. I said, what happened? And he said, when I went in there, he said, I was shocked to find out that many of them have actually turned to atheism. I've talked to many of my Islamic friends that are in high school. I said, "What's the situation in high school?" He goes, "Oh, many people are turning to atheism." And the reality is is that across the world there is a very much a disheartening reality among many many Muslims and they, all they know to turn to is atheism and it's a wide open door for us to bring them Jesus. We are going to see so many saved. I'm so excited. My last trip to Afghanistan, I had the privilege to go to the western city of Herat, somewhere where I had been many times when I lived there. As I went there, my friend texted me and said, I've got a Muslim friend of mine named Jawad. Can he come see you? I said, sure. 26-year-old engineer, speaks fluent in English. He walks into my door carrying a book. After we said hello, I said, what are you reading? He said, oh, it's a book called The Beautiful Way. I said, who wrote it? He said, oh, I heard you did. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, did you like it? <laughs> he goes, oh, it's changing my life. Like, tell me your story. He said, well, I'm from a Pashtun background, which is, means I'm very connected with the Taliban. I was 17 in my Islamic studies, growing in my faith as a Muslim, and I had a vision one night as I went out and stared at the moon. It was a full moon night. I said, what happened? He said, I encountered God. I encountered a God that wasn't what I knew, though. It was a God of kindness, a God of gentleness, a God of acceptance, a God who liked me the way I was, a God who wanted me the way I was. I said, what happened? He goes, well, I had never heard anything like it, so I went to all my friends over these years and asked for understanding, and no one gave me any. He said, but six months ago, I got a hold of your book. And you talk about in there how you encountered God and how you knew about and discovered the love of God that he was accepting and loving and caring. And ever since then, I've been waiting to see you so I can ask you more questions. (laughs) As I met with him, he gave his life to Jesus. And we had the privilege to baptize him. And all he wanted to do is go back to his friends in the Taliban and tell them that there is some really, really good news. I grew up hearing and thinking about God and I heard he was good. But the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize he's actually really good. <laughs> and then life goes on, I realize, well, that's probably not the best way to say it either. But a better way is that God is. Really, really good. <laughs> God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> Deep theology. <laughs> the Christian life is an invitation to discover how good He is again and again and again. Throughout my life, I've had the privilege of discovering that in many, many ways. But it so always goes back to how it started for me when I was 16. A man came to my church. And what he said changed my life. But what I didn't know is that what would change my life would continue to change my life throughout my life. He came to my church, and this is what he said. Everything you do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. Everything you do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. When he said it, something in my heart resonated with it. I thought, okay, this is good, but what is intimacy with God? Like, how do you get that? So I took the afternoon off, and there was this river, and I went and found these rocks and started throwing them in the river, just kind of minding my own business. And as I'm minding my own business, I started thinking, how do you get intimacy with God? Like, how do you get friendship with God? And as I wondered that, I heard a voice in my head with a simple question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? (laughs) So I kept going. Like, how do you have friendship with God outside of church? How do you have friendship with God at the workplace or at the shops or living life? Then I heard it again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? And this went on for a while, just trying to figure it out, and I couldn't quite do it, but I kept hearing that question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped. I'm like, where is that coming from? (laughs) I don't think it's the devil, right? He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, (laughs) not with us. And I don't think it's me unless I'm going crazy. But it can't be God. No, God's out there, you know. God's great, and he really wouldn't care about me throwing rocks. (laughs) It's not important. (laughs) Why would he care? And I kept hearing it. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped, I'm like, yes, Jesus, you can throw rocks with me, but why? And I felt like God looked down from heaven and said this right to my heart, because you want to. I'm like, that's it? He's like, that's it? And for the first time in my life, I found out that Jesus was madly in love with me. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would do for him, He wasn't just in love with me for what I would become. He was in love with me. Have you ever struggled with the unconditional love of God? I've struggled with it off and on in my life. Yeah, it's unconditional, but he better not do that. Yeah, it's unconditional, but you better do that. It's unconditional. There's nothing we can do in our entire life that will make God love us more than he loves us right now. As I began to discover this unconditional love of God, what I didn't know is I would continue to discover it again and again throughout my life. This has been my journey. Many times stopping, going, Jesus, good morning, what should I do today? And God saying, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) But first, here's more of my love. (laughs) And life goes on and Yeah, sometimes I stop and I'm like, okay, God, I know you love me, but what should I do? And God says, Dan, good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but first, here's more of my love. A few weeks ago, waking up going, okay, God, I know you love me, but what should I do? And God's saying, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later, but first, here's more of my love like the love of God is an unending ocean. The Christian life is to wake up and know that God's madly in love with us again and again and again, and then we get to go to heaven. I wanna be a Christian. That sounds awesome. When I'm 90 years old, I wanna be in an old people's home. I love those places. You get to be with your friends every day. You get to learn their name every day. (laughs) And when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, good morning. What should I do today? I think he's going to be like, Dan, good to see you. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. First, here's more of my love. (laughs) Ha ha. As I've discovered the love of God, I've discovered something else wonderful. That God really, really likes us. Yeah, okay, he loves us. He kind of has to. <laughs> you know what? Jesus likes us. He likes us in our quirkiness, you know, when we're kind of a bit different. Yeah, he likes that guy, that girl. Ha, <laughs> ha. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus likes you. Ha, <laughs> ha. And the more I understood that he liked me and that he loved me, it changed my heart and it changed my life. What happens when you know you're loved? Love is the deepest motivator of the human heart. And what it's caused me to do was simply want to love God back. My journey of loving God back has come in many, many different ways. For me, God led me into, yeah, going to the Muslim world. And with that reality of living in Afghanistan came not only the journey of discovering the love of God for others, but I also dealt with so many fears. And I've shared many of that, those stories here. But one of the biggest fears that I have always faced was this fear of failure. And the fear of failure is kind of this big challenge that faces so many of us and definitely faced me. And where I really had a challenge was in my upbringing because how I viewed God needed to have a shift. And this is how I grew up. I grew up where God was looking down me and he was waiting for me to make a, you know, a mistake. And he was looking down going, no, 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 no. <coughs> How does God view us when we fail? I used to think, yeah, he looks down going, OK, Dan, don't do that. Don't do that. Ah. <coughs> and that was the kind of view I had. The reality is, it's not like that. How does God view us when we fail? God gave me a picture in everyday life that really opened my eyes to see how he looks at us when we fail. I was in the room when my nephew started to walk. That was a good day. He's on the chair, and he's leaning off the chair, and he's holding on to the chair. His dad is in the room, there's lots of people. He lets go with one hand, then he lets go with the other, and then he takes a step, And what happens? He falls down. (laughs) So does his dad do this? Son, you had a chance to walk, but you failed, so I guess you'll never walk. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you can enjoy crawling your whole life. You know, I mean, it's not the worst. (laughs) And what goes through our mind is like, no, that didn't happen. You're right. I was there. On that day, the dad picks up his son and he starts to brag to the whole room. Look at my son, he's walking. (laughs) He's not walking, he took one step. (laughs) But that doesn't matter to the dad. And he'll do it over and over and over again until one day his son is running around the house and tearing it apart. (laughs) That is a better picture of how God views us when we fail. I don't know, I think Jesus probably has our photos. And I think when we fail, I think he runs up to the angels and with a smile on his face starts bragging about us. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. A guy who brags about us when we fail? Oh man, I want to be a Christian. (laughs) But that's how big the love of God is. I have struggled with failure throughout my life and had some moments where I really learned God's character. One of the biggest was six months after I was in prison in Iran. I had moved back to Southern Colorado where Youth With a Mission had a training center. My parents lived there as well. I was kinda coming out of my post-traumatic stress syndrome stuff and getting back on my feet. A Few months later, six months about, I felt like God speak to me one day. And this is what he said. He said, Dan, you have an inheritance in the Muslim world. You're really freaked out about it. You don't need to go back to Iran, but at least go back to Afghanistan, where you used to work at the hospital. And at least deal with these fears, because I have something for you in that part of the world. And immediately this fear goes. (laughs) And so I waited and waited and talked to friends. And one of my friends said, Dan, what if I come with you? And I'm like, ah, okay, maybe I could do it then, you know? Long story short, the only way in the country was through Pakistan at that time because the airport in Afghanistan was shut down, something I had done many times before where I would have to go to Pakistan, get a bus ticket, and then go in by bus. We kept praying, and God provided for the trip. We had a one-week trip, to Pakistan before and after one full week in Afghanistan. Everything came together. As we landed in Pakistan, it's not Afghanistan, it's definitely not Iran, but, man, it's still Muslim. They dress like Afghanistan, but it's a more democratic or open society. But I'd been there many times, and they dress very much like Afghanistan. And I remember coming out of the plane going, with this fear like, what am I doing? I told my friend, he's like, Dan, God's called us to go. We're going to win this thing. We're going to get over this thing. So we did that. We just started praying, got our visas. We got our bus tickets. We found out there was another couple from the hospital where I used to work that was on that same bus. So there was even more of us. But the fear never left. The reality of not wanting to go to Afghanistan, not wanting to deal with these fears, definitely not wanting to write another book. (laughs) Yeah, it was all real. And I kept looking at my friend. He's like, Dan, God's going to win. We can do this. We can do this. I'm here. I'm with you. I'll help you. And we finally got to the bus stop. And I remember looking at my friend going, actually, I can't go. He's like, Dan, we've come all this way. I said, you have no idea, bro. This is the worst thing for me to say no, but I can't go. Inside, I'm just a mess. I'm so, so sorry. He's like, come on, Dan, I'll help you. And I'm like, I know, but I can't go, literally. I can handle Pakistan. I'll wait here for you a week, but I can't go. And my friend left with my other friend. I remember going back to my room and just weeping before the Lord. I'm like, Dan, what kind of a loser are you? If I ever felt shame, I felt shame at that moment. Like, Dan, how can you do this? You talk big, and now when it's crunch time, you just just wallow. You miss it. And I remember as I lied on the ground, wonderful Jesus spoke to my heart. And this is what he said. Dan, there's a really good place down the road for lunch. Let's go for lunch. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, I'm a terrible person. Why? I failed you, God. I failed my supporters. I failed my friends. And God spoke again. Dan, they got curry. You like curry. Let's go. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, why? Why did I do this? Why, why, why? And God spoke again. He's like, Dan, come on. We're going to have such a fun day. I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? I just can't do it. I just can't get do this stuff. And God spoke again. He's like, come on, Dan, you like curry. Let's go. <laughs> what's going on? God was over my failure. I wasn't. And I had to learn to be a receiver of the grace of God. And I remember looking up to God going, "God, I can't go enjoy lunch." He's like, "Why not?" I'm like, "Jesus, you know why not. Look at me, I just failed." And Jesus said, "Sorry, sorry, can you remind me? What did you do that it was so bad?" I'm like, "No, no, Jesus, you saw. I messed up." And God spoke again and said, "Dan, sorry, can you remind me? What did you do that it was so bad?" And the reality was, is God forgave me, and he had forgotten. Amen. And I had to receive the forgiveness of God. Amen. So I finally got up, and I went to the restaurant, and I started eating this curry. And the Holy Spirit's like, isn't it good? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And then God spoke again and goes, come on, when you're done, we're going to have fun. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I had to receive the grace of God. I had a great week in Pakistan. Deserved, no, totally undeserved, but that's how beautiful Jesus is. My friend came back and he forgave me. We flew back to the States and all my supporters forgave me. And six months later, God said, go back to Afghanistan. And I went all the way in. (laughs) that's who Jesus is. And failure loses its sting in the light of the beauty and goodness of God. He's really, really good. As I've discovered the love of God throughout my life, the reality is, is the more you discover the love of God, you begin to discover God's heart of love for everybody else. And as you begin to discover his love for everyone else, you begin to take it to the next 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 thing, that he actually loves people that are a bit harder to love. <laughs> and then the ultimate is, is really that he actually encourages us to love those that are like enemies, those that have done us bad. In my own journey, I've had that as well. But it never became more clear than when I was in prison in Iran. I've shared that story here a few times. But it was a few years ago. When me and my friend were asked to go for two weeks into Iran, long story short, we had a great two weeks. God's building his kingdom in Iran. We're hearing a lot of negative stories. God's church is moving. You know, it's got the biggest, fastest growing church in the Middle East. Three to seven million followers of Jesus in Iran alone. Amongst the oppression of the government, there is just so many good things that God is doing. We had the privilege of being a part of that for two weeks. But after all that, me and my friend, things changed, and we ended up being in prison in Iran. I'll never forget that time. It turns out I had two death sentences on my life, and I thought I would be there the rest of my life or executed. And one of the things that God did in my life started at the very beginning. I was actually beaten by one man and what I didn't know is I was, would get beaten by that man again and again every day. And the first day that he starts to hit me, I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me and say this, Dan, I wanna teach you to love your enemies." I'm like, it's not a good time. <laughs> not a good time. And then God says it again, Dan, I wanna teach you to love your enemies." I'm like, God, life is all about me right now. There is so much injustice of this moment. He is not supposed to do what he's doing. They're supposed to give me all my rights and all this chance to see my embassy and on and on. I was traveling on a Swiss passport. I'm a dual citizen, Swiss and American. Switzerland had an embassy there. And so that's how I was able to be there. And all these things that they were not doing. And then God said it a third time. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. I'm like, God, how? And then God said this. He said, Dan, ask me what I think of him. And God changed the subject. I love when God changes the subject. Life was all about me, but on God's mind was, yes, me, but also this other person and many other wonderful people. And I looked up to Jesus. I'm like, what do you think of this man? And the love of God hit me that God knew his name God knew the name of his wife, knew the name of his kids. He'd always loved him. There was only one challenge and it was that he didn't know it yet. And I'm like, God, you really love him. He's like Dan more than you'll ever know. And I'm like, Jesus changed my heart. All glory to Jesus, Whatever the coming weeks as he continued to beat me, God did a miracle and he changed my heart. I started to see a change I started to bless this man, all oh, glory to Jesus. I started to say nice things about this man, all oh, glory to Jesus. And I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I had no idea it would be the last day I'd see him. My friend had already been released from prison. I was there still thinking, man, I might be here forever. And they take me in to get beaten again and again. It was. Always a dark day because the floors were filled with bloodstains and I would stand there alone. But on that day, something happened. (laughs) All I can say is Jesus. And I looked at him and I said this I said, Sir, if I'm going to see you every day the rest of my life, let's become friends. He's like, What? (laughs) Like, yeah, we see each other every day. Let's be friends. He's like, you're crazy, we will never be friends. I'm like, no, 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 sir, let's be friends, and let's start today by exchanging names. He had never called me by my name. My name was 58, because that was the number of my cell. He had never told me his name. And the love of God just kept growing inside of me. I said, sir, today things change. Let's become friends, and let's start by exchanging names. And I stuck out my hand to shake his hand. When I did that, that's when he froze. Then he starts to shake. Then he starts to look around. Then he took a hand out of his pocket and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, he squeezed it really tight. Then he wouldn't let go. Then tears started to come down his face. And then he finally looked at me And he said, Dan, and he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak, and I would love to be your friend. There is no heart too hard for Jesus. Jesus can change the hardest heart. And he kept shaking my hand. He finally let go, and he wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad I'm so glad we're friends. I'm like, yeah, me too. (laughs) He's like, Dan, I'm so, so sorry all that's happened. I said, sir, there was someone who forgave me years ago, and because of his forgiving me, Jesus, I am gladly forgive you. I know you're just doing your job, and I forgive you for that. Let's go forward. He's like, Dan, but I can't get you out. I said, I know that. He goes, I don't have that authority. I said, I know that. He goes, Dan, but in the prison, maybe I can help you. Do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, I want a bigger room. (laughs) He's like, you want a bigger room? I'm like, sure. He's like, let me see what I can do. And I've never seen that man again in my life. That night, the night guards came to my room. They said, sir, we have orders to move you to a bigger cell. And I knew that God had changed that man's heart. Why? Because there's no heart too hard for Jesus. The more we get encountering the love of God, the more the love of God takes over our life. The more the love of God overwhelms us that he actually likes us and wants to be our friend. The more, yeah, love starts to take off inside of us and all we want to do is love God back. Because it's the deepest motivator of the human heart. When we begin to want to love God back, he begins to let us know other people on the earth that he's in love with. And we get the privilege to reach out to love them. And the more we understand God's love, he gives us the grace to not only love the easy ones, but to love the hard ones. And then sometimes, even leads us in that place to even love our enemies. Oh, it's so profound as I think of the life of Jesus on that day if there was ever a time in history where a man should not be forgiving others, it's this moment in history, and Jesus is being nailed on the cross for all the wrong reasons. And he looks at his Father in heaven and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's who Jesus is. And when the love of God takes over, not only does it change our life, but it gives us the wonderful opportunity to be a part of his dreams for this earth. That's who Jesus says. Amen. 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 I hope none of you ever have to go to prison in Iran. Don't go. <laughs> I hope none of you ever have a major accident like I had a couple years ago. But I know you. we, we all face challenges in life. We all face real situations. If God can rescue me from prison, if God can rescue me from my accident, he can rescue all of us from whatever we're going through. Why? Because he's really, really, really good. Amen. Let's pray Yes, we could all stand up. As I prayed about this morning, I felt like there might be many of us in this room. When was the last time that you knew, that you knew, that you knew that Jesus was madly in love with you? I've had times in my life where I'm like, yeah, he was, but I don't know now. (laughs) Because so many times things happen in our lives and we kind of think maybe God's kind of fed up or had enough or... And as I woke up today, I just felt Jesus want you to know he still wants you. He still likes you. He's not upset that you didn't do it perfectly. No, he's really, really good. And as we close today, let's just look at Jesus and just know Jesus is there. His arms are wide open, inviting us to him because he really loves us and he really wants us. Yeah, he wanted us years ago. Yeah, he wanted us months ago, but he actually still wants us today. That's who he is. Yeah, let's look at Jesus and just look at him.